0: were with us we we started in the book of of first john and we're going to continue that today this is not going to work we uh i think we got to verse four the first four verses were um spoke to us about about true fellowship what it means to be christianity is not remember if you were here it's not just about uh not just about understanding the right things and, and doing the right things. It's not about a list of behaviors. It's not about, um, it's not about, uh, do this and God will love you and all those kind of things. That's, uh, so often we fall into that trap, you know, so many people do. And, uh, but that's not what Christ did for us. That's not what he came to do for us. He came to Uh, bring us into right relationship with God, and it's an experience with a person. My trust is not in a set of beliefs, it's not in a set of doctrines, although it is a set of doctrines, you have to hold to certain beliefs. We said that last week, uh, and we're not going to back away from that in any way, shape, or form. But uh, being born again is about meeting a person. It's about putting our faith in a man, and putting our faith in the God-man who died for our sins. And so it's about trusting in whom we have believed, not in what. We have believed uh, now having said that I'll say it again one more time just so we don't get to misunderstand there are doctrines to believe there are truths that scripture uh, teaches us and we hold to those and we must hold to those. But uh, just understanding the facts is not what it means to be a Christian we have a relationship with this uh, with this uh, God man this man who was uh, born of a virgin who was God incarnate and came in flesh. We have a relationship with him. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And John, in First John, the whole book is going to be about uh, make sure that you know that you're a Christian. Make sure that you know that you've been born again. He's going to give assurance to those who have been born again, and he's going to give tests for those who, uh, you know, maybe think they have, maybe are saying, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm a Christian, but not really sure. You know, I, I, uh, everything's just, uh, there, there's people over there that say, I have to do this to be a believer. There's people over there that say, I have to do that. That was the, the state of the church going on in uh, when 1 John, when, when John was written. So let's pray before we go, and we uh, we seek what the Lord's word has for us. And we're just going to do the rest of chapter one, verse five through ten today. And we're gonna we're gonna look at the test that John gives us. Father, we come before you today, and we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your word. That we can come and we can just uh, we can we can tear it apart and we can look at it word by word. God, we can put it back together. God, you've given us this word so we can uh, so we can understand your will, so we can understand your ways, so we can have you revealed to us today as we come and we uh, we see your spirit uh, working through this word that you've given us, Lord, and, and changing our hearts. We ask that you would uh, be with us as we hear, be with, be with me as I speak. God, and that your, your spirit would just fill this place in such a way that your will would be done. And whatever, whatever goes on good here today, God, we're going to give you the glory for it. We're going to thank you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last night, we, I mean last night, we, last week we understood we were playing last night. That's probably why I said that. But last week we were saying, we looked at the first four verses and it's about fellowship. It's about fellowship with Christ, fellowship with God. It's about knowing Him and being known by Him. It's about being born again by the Spirit of God. Well, in this in this text here, what we're going to see is that, uh, that we're, you're going to have to trust the true God. You can't just trust whatever it is that you think is God. There's a lot of people that, uh, you know, today uh, think that, you know, I can just... Well, they wouldn't really say I can just make up my own version of God, but usually we have our God is is kind of the one that we serve, the one that people think that they serve is a God that pretty much likes everything that they like. You know, if I if I enjoy, uh, you know, not not fellowshipping with the brethren, if I enjoy, if I don't think it's a big deal to uh to you know not fellowship with the brethren or if I don't think it's a big deal to go out and do what God says is sin or you know if I if I kinda like you know going out to uh you know whatever, if I like watching pornography, if I like uh you know, you just pick your sin. If I like being prideful and gossiping, if I if I enjoy that, that's part of my personality, then hey, you know what? The God I serve, He's not gonna be He's not gonna be too hard on those things. Now you over there with your sin that I'm that I don't do, you know, God's Be hard on you, but for me, He's not going to be that hard on me because you know He understands my heart. I'm sure you've heard that before. God knows my heart, He just knows I'm just trying best I can. And He, most of the time, when you hear things like that, when you say things like that, when your own heart and I'm talking about me, myself, and I here, when my own heart tries to make God to be something that He's not to be, what I'm doing is committing idolatry. When I'm saying, you know what, God, it's Memorial Day weekend. God really don't care if you go to church this weekend. He really don't care if you got um, you have just created a God in your own image. Now, the God that we serve, the real God, there's only one God. That God has given us specific commands. He's given us specific things that he, would, he desires for his people to do. He's given us specific parameters for what this relationship with him is going to look like. So let's look at that. I just want to read the 5 through 10. It's only, only six verses and, and we'll be done. But it says, remember, before these things, John said, John was telling us that, uh, you know, we have fellowship with him and our fellowship is with the father and with the son. And we write these, we're writing these things and declaring them because we want you to have fellowship with us. And he's saying, uh, the, verse five says, then this is the message which we have heard of him. John is about to tell them this is the message. This is what we have Uh, declared unto you this is the message we have heard of him this is the message that jesus christ gave us is what john's saying this is what jesus said this is the message that we declare unto you and here it is god is light and in him is no darkness at all now we we, sometimes we ask questions about god sometimes you know can if god's all-powerful can he you ever heard this one? Can he make a rock so big that he can't lift it? You know, can he uh, can he make a, a square circle? You know, can he make a square that's uh, called a circle or, or or can he you know, can he do something that he's not able to do? Can he make a rock? So big that it's too big for him to lift it. Well, what we're talking about here, what we're talking about here is, is the reality of, of who God is. And when we say, you know what, God, God really doesn't mind if I, if I break this commandment, God knows my heart. God knows that we just fall short all the time. God knows that he, you know, we we just can't do all the things that the Bible says that we ought to do. And God understands that he He he's 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 a loving and forgiving God. And he is. And we're going to show that in a minute. But what this is saying, what John is making sure these people know, what he makes sure that we know is that God is light. He is absolutely holy. When John uses the words light and darkness, it, it reminds me of the gospel of John when he says When he says, you know, the the light came into the world, but the men, the, the darkness did not comprehend it. And then in John chapter three, when he's talking to Nicodemus and he's telling them, you know, for God so loved the world, he's telling all those things to Nicodemus about verse 19 or 20 in John three, he says, He said, this is the judgment. This is the condemnation of the world that light has come into the world. But men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. So what he's talking about here is God is light. God is absolutely and perfectly holy. There is no darkness in him at all. That means perfection. It's, it's absolutely perfect. There is no room for uh, mitigating circumstances. There is no, no playroom. There is no, there is no darkness in him at all. It's absolutely holy. Now, if you understand what John is saying, that should scare you a little bit. It's healthy for that to scare you a little bit. He says, he says this is the message that we have. God is like God is not this this uh, homeboy buddy God that, that people make. You know, he's my he's my bud. Me and him got this thing going and we we all good. And he understands me and I understand him and it's all good. And he's my friend. He's my butler. You know, he's the one that I call on when I need something. And then I put him back on the shelf when everything's going on. That's not God. I don't know what that is that, that people are worshiping, but that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of Jesus Christ. He says this, this God here is holy. He's absolutely holy. He's absolutely light. And there is, there is no darkness in him at all. There's something today that we, we, I say we, I'm talking about all of us, myself included. We've kind of forgotten in modern day is that it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the fear of the Lord, you can see it all through Old Testament. You can even see it in the New Testament. When Jesus calmed the storm, the winds and the waves on the boat with the disciples, what did it say? It says they were scared. They was afraid. They was afraid when the storm was raging. But after he calmed the storm, it says they were more afraid. They were more afraid. Who is this man? that the wind and the waves even obey him. You can see it in, in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah called to be a prophet, called to go to Israel and to preach to them the good news of the kingdom, to preach to them they need to turn or judgment's going to find them. When he stood in Isaiah chapter 6 in the throne room of God and he saw the train filled the temple and the seraphims flying around saying, holy, 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 what did Isaiah, what did he, Isaiah do? He, he says, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. It was a terrifying thing to stand in the presence of a holy God. It was terrifying. I can go on and on. You remember there are there are people who tested the limits of God's holiness all through scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, and they ended up dead. They ended up just falling dead. I can think of uh, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit in the midst of the congregation. Bang, they dropped dead. I remember in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 13, a man named Uzzah touched the Ark of the Covenant that he wasn't supposed to touch. He wasn't supposed to touch it because it was holy. What happened to him? Dropped dead. I remember two priests in Leviticus chapter 10, I think it is, I may be wrong about that, named Nadab and Abihu. They offered strange fire on the altar. They offered something that they weren't supposed to offer. God's fire is holy. God's temple is holy. His tabernacle is holy. And they offered something they weren't supposed to offer. And the fire of God fell down and burned them up right there. Killed them. Dead. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This buddy God, this is my homeboy, this is my co-pilot that we hang out. You know, this uh, the song says, "Have a beer with Jesus." All that mess is—I don't know what that is. I don't know what Jesus they serving. I don't know what God they talking about. But it's not the God of Scripture. It's not the one that's light. Not the one that's holy and absolutely perfect. It's not this God. You can call anything you want to Jesus. You can call anything God, but that doesn't make it the the Lord of the universe. That doesn't make it king of kings. That doesn't make it Lord of lords. There's only one God. It says this God is is absolutely light. And in him there is no darkness. So first of all, you have to come to grips. If we're going to say, if we're going to test ourselves... To see whether we are in the faith or not. If we're going to examine what John has written, where it says, I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. If we're going to test ourselves, examine our hearts, the first thing you need to do is we need to make sure that we're examining about the right God, the only God. We're going to make sure that we're examining it by the true God and not some God that we just made up in our mind that likes the things that we like and don't like the things that we don't like. And he's okay with me and my sin, but you better watch out with you and your sin. we're talking about a God that doesn't like any sin, that doesn't allow any sin whatsoever. That means the deeds that you do. That means the things that you think. That means the motivations of your heart. That was a hard one for me at one time. You know, even when... I was in the uh, this week. I was in the hospital and, and, you know, working as a chaplain and, and there was this, there's this old man that comes and volunteers, been volunteering at the hospital for 20 years. He's, uh, uh, you know, he just volunteers to go pray for people, bring them Bibles, that kind of stuff takes a floor and goes and does it. And he was talking to me and I was trying to get this stuff done. I had all this paperwork, all this stuff I had to do. And, you know, he w- we were talking and I'm like, I'm just so backed up. I'm so far behind. He said, you know what? We just kind of spread ourselves too thin, you know, don't we? And I said, yeah, we kind of do. He said, do you think it's worth it? I mean, do you think it's really even worth it just to, just to come and do what we do? And immediately I was shamed. Because this guy's been volunteering for 20 years. And here I am knowing good and well, if if I wasn't getting, if I wasn't working here, like part time, getting a paycheck, I wouldn't be here. You know, so I'm thinking, wow, this guy's, I mean, his heart's way better than mine. And here I am complaining about this thing. And so what we see, what we see is here is that the motivations of our own heart. If you're, if you're thinking, wow, Jason's going to get some brownie points from God when he goes because he's working at the hospital. You are sadly mistaken. I might get points taken away from me for because of the motivations of my heart, because I've been at the hospital this time. And so God's going to judge your actions. He's going to judge your deeds. He's going to judge the motivations of your heart in doing the things that you do. He's absolutely perfectly holy. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness whatsoever. That means you can't have a little bit of darkness. That means there is no, we can make room for this right here. Absolutely nothing. John says this is the message that Jesus, that he gave us, that we heard of him and that we declare unto you that God is light and in him there is no darkness. Now, what we're going to see in the rest of the verses, if you look down at your Bible, if yours is like mine, uh, each verse starts a new line. And every single verse, six, seven, eight, nine and ten, start with a word that says if, if. And so he's going to give us. He's going to give us actually it's it's three tests, but he's going to show us four or five different ifs. I don't know if that made sense, but each one that we're going to look at starts with if we say, if we say. And so what he's doing is he's going to give us something to examine ourselves by. You can say all day long that you're a Christian. You can say all day long that you have fellowship with God. You can say all day long that you're holy, that you're whatever. You can say all day long that you came down the aisle and that you prayed the prayer and that you've been in church all your life. It doesn't matter what you say. You can say all day long all these things. But John's going to say, look, you can say that, but let's examine the evidence to see if it's true. Let's examine what 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 we have here. And that way we can judge whether your profession is true. Remember the context. There were people false teachers that were come that had come into the church and they had a lot of them had left the church. He's going to say that in chapter two. They went out from among us because they were not of us. But what was going on is they were saying, well, we're the true Christians. We're the true saved folks, we're the true born again guys. I don't know about those other guys who are just following the apostles in those regular churches. We're the ones who are super spiritual. We're the ones who have the secret knowledge. We're the ones who are the true followers of Jesus. And the believers were looking this going, well, we have the word of the apostles, but these guys are saying they're the true Christians. And John is saying, look, I'm going to line it out for you. I'm going to write these things so that you know that you have eternal life and that, his, that, that life is in his son. And so he says, look, if we say, remember, God is light and in the him there is no darkness. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, it says we lie and do not the truth. He says you cannot, because God is light, you cannot Have fellowship with light at the same time that you're walking in darkness. He says you can't do it. It's impossible. I mean, think about it just from a a light darkness standpoint. If we turned all the lights out in here and covered up all the windows and it was absolutely dark, you couldn't see a hand in front of your face. If you lit a lighter or a candle or a little light over there in the corner, right there where that light is, it would dispel the darkness. Even the smallest little light. Light and darkness cannot exist in the same place at the same time. Now, it may be dark all around because the light's just little. If we turned all the lights out in here and it was absolutely dark and you put a little bitty light over in the corner, it would probably be dark over there in that corner. But right there where that light is, there wouldn't be no dark right there around the area of that light would be absolute. It would be light. You could see you could see all around. Light and darkness can't exist in the same place. And so he says, look. If you are having fellowship with God, God's light, and there's no darkness in him. If you're having fellowship with God, which means if you're born again, if you're trusting, remember last week we talked about being saved. is not just believing some doctrines. It's about having a relationship with a person. It's about trusting the person. And if you say, I trust in this person, I have fellowship with this person, and you are walking in darkness, you're deceiving yourself. You're lying. It's just not true. It's just not true. You cannot. God is perfect and holy and he's not going to lower his standards for you, not going to lower his standards for anybody. And so the reality is that when you, and we're going to see this further, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the punchline. Now, when your heart is changed, when you are born again, by the spirit of God, your life changes, your walk changes. Changes your heart, changes your mind, your thinking, the inclinations of your heart. Now, I need you to understand one thing before we move into the others uh, the other tests of whether we are genuine believers or not. What he's talking about here is an ongoing lifestyle of walking in the light. He's not talking about, well, if I slip up and make a mistake, that means I'm lost. He's talking about a lifestyle. Of walking in the light. It, should, it, it might say if we are having, I'm going to just put my own thing on it. Watch. It says if we say that we are having fellowship with him and we are walking in the darkness, then we are lying and we are not doing the truth. It says if we say that we walk with him and he is light and in him there's no darkness, then we can't walk in darkness and believe that we have fellowship with him. It's like this. I can take a photograph of something that you're doing. And by that photograph, uh, let's, let me just point it at me. You can take a photograph of me and catch me in something with, in a still picture and say, look, Jason's not a Christian. Look, I caught him. Look at what I caught him doing. There are times in my life when my motivations are wrong. When my actions are wrong, when things that I'm thinking, doing, saying are wrong, you could catch me. You could catch me at that point and take a picture and say, look, I got evidence. Jason's not a believer, but that's not what John's talking about. He's talking about, I want to see the movie of his life. I want to roll the whole thing and I want to see the pattern of the way that he walks in his life. I want to see, I want to see the pattern of holiness. Is he growing in holiness? You know, he ain't got it all together yet. He's not perfect yet. He's not doing everything that he should be doing. He's, you know, got all kinds of things that go on. He's still growing in holiness, still growing in patience, still growing. But let me see the movie roll. Let me see his life from the time he was born again up until now. And when I see that, I should see growth in holiness. I should see growth. I should see him walking in the light, making a lifestyle of walking in the light. The man who says that I know Christ and I have fellowship with him. That man who says that and his life is not geared toward walking in holiness, geared toward hungering and thirsting after righteousness, that man does not have any assurance that he has been born again. And if he does have assurance that he is born again and he's walking around going, well, I know I'm saved because I remember when I was 11 years old and it doesn't matter what I do now. And I'm living however I want to live now. That is absolutely against the message of what John is trying to preach here. And we're going to see it as we walk through the book. We're going to see it over and over and over and over again. You cannot, I cannot say, you can say all day long that I have fellowship with God. But if your life is manifestly making a practice of walking in darkness, then you are lying to yourself. You're lying. That's what it says. I didn't call you a liar. The Bible calls you a liar. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, you lie. Because he is light and in him there is no darkness. So if you're walking with him, you're walking in the light. Not perfection, but the direction of your life. Now, when I say darkness, when I say walk in darkness, immediately you're thinking serial killer. You know, you're thinking child molester. You're thinking bank robber. You're thinking, oh, I'm not walking in. That's not, that's not the darkness that, I mean, that is darkness, but that's not the darkness that plagues so many people today. You walk out there, you go to the mall today, you go out into the city or whatever. Most of the people that you run into, most of the people are going to be lost people. It's just a fact. Most of the people you run into are going to be lost people. But these people, most of them that you run into, you know, they're just like everybody else. They go to work every day. They come home. They just want to feed their family. You know, they might go fishing sometimes, might go do fun things sometimes. They're not out killing people. They're not out robbing. But what they are doing is they're living independently of God's rule. They're living out from under God's lordship. They're doing what they want to do when they want to do it, and they're saying, you know what? I am the master of my own life, and I will decide what I do and what I don't do and when I do it and when I don't do it. That is darkness. That's no different than anything else. Uh, uh, In uh, Isaiah chapter 53, there's a, a passage that says, we like sheep have gone astray, but God laid the iniquity of us all on him. I'm not quoting exactly right, but that's basically what it says. The sin that he's talking about, the iniquity that he laid upon his back was the fact that we're all going our own way. It says we all like sheep have gone astray, each one gone where? His own way. He's going his own way. So what we're talking about here in this darkness is not, you know, you can't be a serial killer and be a Christian or anything like that. What we're talking about is you can't live out from under God's lordship. Now, are you doing it perfectly? No, that's not what we're talking about. But you cannot say that I have fellowship with God and then live completely independent from his lordship, his word, his fellowship or his people. You can't do it. I'm sorry. You're lying. You're lying. If you don't have fellowship with his bride, you don't have fellowship with him. If you don't have if you if, if you don't uh, uh, submit yourself to his lordship if you don't understand that he is king of kings and he is ruler over your life, I don't care how many prayers you pray. I don't care how long you went to church when you was a kid. I don't care about none of that stuff. I want to talk about what's going on right now today. All this that John's talking about is present tense. If you are saying that you have fellowship with him right now, And you are walking in darkness, if you're walking independently from God, if you're walking your own way like those sheep where he laid the iniquity of of us all upon him, if you're walking in that darkness, then you're lying. You don't have fellowship with him. Remember, it's not about just believing. Remember what we saw last week in the first four verses. I can say that I believe that Jesus was real and that he died on a cross. I can say all those things. But true Christianity, true being saved, being born again is about experiencing this person. It's about coming into relationship with this holy God. It's about trusting in a man. It's about having fellowship with God and man, with Jesus Christ, the God man. And so... When we say, it's easy to say, well, I believe this and I believe that and those things are necessary. Please don't hear me saying it don't matter what you believe. That's the furthest thing from my mind. I would never say such a thing. But we can say, I believe this thing or I believe that thing and say, well, that means that I'm okay and I'm saved. That's not how John characterized Christianity. He characterizes it. He characterizes is it. He characterizes it as fellowship with God, as walking with God, as walking with God. And if you say you can say all day that you have fellowship. Notice he didn't say if we say we believe Jesus was real and that he really died. He didn't say that at all. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with God. But our life shows that we're just walking independently from him. He is the light. So, walking away from him is walking in darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we're lying. But then in the next verse, he gives us the other side. He says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then what do we do? We have fellowship what? One with another. Isn't that what I said? You, gotta have fe- you don't have fellowship with his bride, you don't have fellowship with him, period. It, period. I don't, I don't have to qualify that statement at all. I don't have to say, well, now, you know, we got to, pre- I don't have to do none of that. Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Simple as that. And it says, in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses, uh, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, in two ways, it cleanses. I think John's speaking in two different ways here. Of course, you know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses all your sins. They're forgiven. God, the Father, does not see them. He does not take them into account. When you stand before God, we're going to see that in chapter 2. You have an advocate with the Father that that your sin is not brought up. All he sees is the righteousness of Christ. But here, it's in the present tense as well. It's saying that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, is cleansing us from all sin. That's why we walk in the light. That's why we chase after God, because Jesus is in the business of sanctifying you. He is in the business of getting more sin out tomorrow than he did today and making you more like Christ tomorrow than he did today. That's what he does. He disciplines, chastises, and instructs his children. In Titus two eleven and 12, it says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, but it doesn't stop there. It said that grace of God that brings salvation that appeared to all men, it teaches us. To deny ungodliness and and unrighteousness and to live godly and righteously in this present world. That's what grace does. It changes you. So the reason he can say, if you say that you have fellowship and you walk in darkness, you're lying. The reason he can say that, he says, because if you walk in the light. If you're walking in the light as he is in the light, which means you are walking with him. Are you perfect yet? Absolutely not. The very next the very next line is going to talk about if we say that we have no sin, we we deceive in ourselves. So we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about the direction of our life. He says, if you are walking in the light as he is in the light, then you are having fellowship with one another. You're having fellowship with the bride. And the blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed you from all sin is still cleansing you from all sin. It's making you into, you are a new creature, but it is conforming you to the image of Christ. Five years from now, I should be more conformed to Christ than I am today. Ten years from now, I should be maturing and growing in the Lord. I'm not talking about just knowing more stuff. That's not going to help you all. I mean, that is going to help you. But what I'm saying is you should be growing in your fellowship with God. You should be growing in your relationship with God. So if you, if you say that you have fellowship and you're walking in darkness, you're lying. Simple as that. The next one says, if we say, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. Now, right here, he's talking about... It really threw me for a loop, this phrase, to have sin, to have no sin. It says, if we say that we have no sin, a little later at the end of this chapter, it's going to say, if we say we have not sinned. Now, see, I understand that. If I say, well, I ain't done nothing wrong, I'm good. I can understand that. But this one says, if we say that we have no sin, Then we deceive ourselves. What it's talking about is if we say that we are not corrupt by nature, if we say that my heart's not sinful, I'm not a bad person, I'm a good person, and you know, I'm just kind of making mistakes. It reminds me, uh, I used to do a thing at the high school here that I didn't do it they had a bible club and I would just go I mean the students did it I just kind of sat there you know and 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 if they asked some questions I would speak but uh when I I remember sitting there one day and they were doing their thing and this this little girl got up I say little girl she's in high school and she gave her testimony and it was really good and there's no I don't have any reason whatsoever to think that this girl was not a Christian or anything never never I mean even gave an inkling that she might not be a Christian, so I, I don't have no, no, way, no uh, reason to doubt her at all. But her testimony basically was this. She got up and she said, I have always been a really, really good person. And I've always been a Christian ever since I was born. But I have made a few mistakes. And God, Jesus has, has helped me with those. Now, sweet girl... I don't have no reason to doubt anything, but I'm sorry. That's not, that's not the testimony of a Christian. You weren't born a Christian for one thing. You had to be reborn as a Christian. And the other thing was the the fundamental problem was, is that, you know what? I'm basically good. I'm a good person, but I have strayed from the path every now and again. I got news for you. You're not a good person and I'm not a good person. And my great grandmama is not a good person. And nobody that you have ever met is a good person. Now, it's easy. It's easy for you to say and for me to say, oh, I know I'm a sinner. That's simple. That's easy for you to say. Most people use it as an excuse. When you say, you know, this right here is sin. Well, hey, you know what? Everybody's saying false short of the grace of God. Most people use it the way Paul would have never used it when he says that. That's not an excuse. It's easy for us to say, I know I'm a sinner. But... In Romans chapter 3, the Bible tells us that there is no one that is good, not even one. It says there is no one that seeks after God. There is no one that understands. There is no one. Let me just read it to you. Some of y'all are looking at me like, you know, I may not, I may not understand. Let me read it. He goes in Romans chapter 3. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, it says, as it is written, it's 3 Verse 10. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seek after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. None that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open open sepulcher, which is a grave. Their tongues... With, with their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace, they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, be honest. Be real honest. You don't have to raise your hand or nothing, but be honest with yourself. When I was reading that section... There was something in your heart, something in your heart that was going, They ain't talking about me. I uh, ain't talking about me. I don't have no poison of asp in my mouth. And I don't, you know, I, I do seek after God. It's not talking about me. There's something in our heart that wants to say, you know what, I'm a good person. I really am. I was sharing with them in, in youth class uh, Wednesday night, you know, about... I. I, I Watching over the over my lifetime, I watched documentaries with like two or three serial killers in them, you know, Charles Manson and Jeffrey Dahmer and all that. And it struck me as I was getting that lesson together that in all those documentaries, I can remember these serial killers saying, you know, I'm basically a good person. And all of us would go, yeah, what are you crazy? Are you crazy? You're not a good person. You out your mind. But that's what we all do. We all make excuses for our own sin. We all make excuses for when we refuse to obey God's command. When we refuse to take part in the fellowship of His people, reading His word, we refuse to take part in the corporate worship of God. We refuse to to uh, to obey His commands when we're out in the workplace or the school or whatever. We all do that, and we mess up. And you know what we do? Instead of falling on our face and say, "God, I repent, forgive me," and mourning and crying over our sin what we do is say well it's okay i'll get it next time it's all good we don't we don't worry about that it's all good now there is a place to say what's behind me is behind me but if every single day you're going well i'm excited i don't worry about it and there is no mourning for sin there is no repentance there then you need to start asking some hard questions you need to start asking some, some real questions about who you are, about what you are. It says, it says turning back to 1 John, it says, if we, if we say that we have no sin, I'm a good person, I don't have to worry about that. He says, if you say that you have no sin, then you're deceiving yourself. It's so easy for us to deceive ourselves. A lot of people don't understand that. I heard something very, it was very profitable for me. It said, you're either preaching to yourself or you're listening to yourself. One of the two. And if you're listening to yourself, you're giving ear to an idiot. Okay. Maybe y'all didn't think that was funny as I did. But you, we deceive ourselves when we're thinking, you know what? They're just making a big deal out of that hole in this stuff all the time. They're making a big deal out of worship they're making a big deal out of fellowship with each other. I mean, it's just not that big a deal. It is 2016, folks. Of course it's not. I mean, we all have lives. we got to worry about our own stuff. I mean, why are they always telling me about this? You know, I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing that. I'm, I'm supposed to be chasing after God. And You know, who's got time for that? I work eight hours a day. And then I have to come home and do the yard and take care of the kids and all that stuff. It's 2016. It's not 1820 when I didn't have nothing to do but wash clothes and and milk the goat or whatever. I, I'm probably going way out of my way out of my knowledge base right there. But it's the modern world here. I mean, we got to do. What we got to do. But it says here if if you say if you if you're of the opinion that you're a good person and you're just making some mistakes, then, then you're deceiving yourself. You're not understanding what God has said about who you are, about your sinful heart. The heart is desperately wicked. That's talking about your heart. It's talking about my heart. In Genesis 6, it said that every inclination of the heart was only evil all the time. That's who we are. We are not good guys. We're not good. If, if, if good and evil lined up on the football field, we'd be on the evil side. It's only by God's grace and him transforming us to be born again that we are swapped onto his side, swapped into his army. We are adopted into his family. Without that, your heart is evil. Even after that, Paul said in Romans chapter 7, he said, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. He said, the things that are good that I want to do, I I, I want to do the law of God. He said, but who's going to deliver me from this body of death? What he's talking about is that I still live in flesh. I still have this inclination to do evil. And what God has promised in his word is that he will transform me and he will continually conform me to the image of his son all the days of my life until I go to be with him. And so what we do is when we say, you know what? Uh, It's all good. I I believe the right things. and I don't have to worry about my life. I don't have to worry about examining myself. What we're doing right there is saying, yeah, God only keeps some of his promises. He promised to save me. He promised to redeem me. But this promise about, you know, changing me into a new creature and all that, this uh, walking with me, conforming me to the image of Christ. Yeah, he kind of left that one off. I'm just kind of doing my thing it says if you say that you have no sin you deceive yourselves. I'm not going to get done uh, But the last one It says well the next one it tells us the opposite instead of saying that you don't have no sin It says it, but if we confess our sins He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins I know we've heard this before and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. y'all probably have that verse memorized, don't you? And it means exactly what you've always thought it means. I mean, it, there, there's nothing I can say that's going to give you new insight on that verse. It's, it means exactly what it says. But what it's talking about there is a life of confession, a life that says I'm conf- a daily walk confessing my sin. It says if you say that you have none, you're deceiving yourself. What you need to do is you need to walk in the fact that you know that you're a sinner. That you know, when I, when, I, when I transgress against the law of God, when I transgress against the nature of God, I don't hide that stuff. I don't sweep it under the rug. I don't, I don't try to uh, put, the, you know, put the carpet over it so nobody can see it. You know, I, I've done that before. Well, that's not a good thing. Uh, so anyway, I confess those things. It's a lifestyle of confession. It's a lifestyle I grow in my repentance. I grow in confessing my sin. And you know what? When I confess my sin, he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's saying, when I I confess that sin, I say, God, I know it's wrong. And I'm mourning over that sin. And I'm sorry for that sin. When I confess my sin, what happens? He's faithful. And he is just. That means he's righteous to forgive my sin and to cleanse me. From all unrighteousness. Now, that, that struck me as strange. I think it, I would think that it should say he's faithful and merciful to forgive me for my sin. Wouldn't that sound better? That's not what, I mean, that's not God's word, but that's what I would think that it would say. He's faithful and merciful. But that's not what it says. It says he's faithful and he is just. He is righteous to forgive us. Why is he, if justice was all that God was and perfect justice was that, I wouldn't be getting any forgiveness. I wouldn't be getting any cleansing from sin, but God has promised you, if you would confess with your mouth, If you would believe in your heart, if you would, if you would trust in his son and pour those sins out in front of him and not, not make, we want to make excuses for our sin. The next verse, let me continue real quick because I'm already out of time. It says, if we say that we have not sinned, what do we do? You don't just, you're not just uh, uh, pretending and deceiving yourself. You're accusing God of sin. When you say that you have not sinned, you're making God to be the sinner. You're making him a liar because he said, I just read it to you, all have sinned. There's no one that does good. So when you say, whoa, 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 I hadn't sinned, I hadn't done anything wrong, then you make him a liar and his word is not in you. It's, It's evidence that his word has no place in you because you will not admit what God says is true. And if you don't admit what he says is true, then you're calling him a liar. It says if we say that we have not sinned, what we do is we want to justify ourselves. We do it all the time. I can think of, uh, well, I'll put it a lot of times when when Dana and I have arguments and, you know, and I know that I'm in the wrong and I know that I need to apologize or whatever. I'll apologize like this. I'll say, look, I know I was wrong. I'm sorry for what I did. But if you hadn't done what you did, then I wouldn't have done it anyway. (laughs) So. I, I want to say I'm sorry and I want to apologize, but I'm justifying my actions. I'm saying, look, I am sorry for what happened, but it would have never happened if you wouldn't have done what you Well, All I'm trying to do right there. I, I'm just trying to get out of taking the blame. I'm trying to get out of taking the burden and saying, look, it's all my fault. I won't I won't say that. I'll say, look, I'm sorry. Or or this is my favorite one. They'll say, yeah, I, I, I put it on me. I'll say I'll say. She'll, she'll say, you know, you really hurt my feelings when you said that. And I'll say, well, I'm sorry if you took it that way. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that just a fake, deal, fake apology? Like, I'm sorry that you're not intelligent enough to understand what I was saying. <laughs> what we want to do is we want to justify our own actions. We want to justify ourselves. I didn't do anything wrong. You just took it the wrong way. I didn't do anything wrong because I was responding to what you did in the first place. That's the same way we do with God. We'll say God says this is sin what you just did. Well, I, you know, I, I'm sorry. I know it is sin, but you know how they are. God, you know, you know the deal. If you say that you have not sinned, if you justify your actions, you justify your sin. You stand before God and say, you know what? I know it was a sin, but it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my issue. It wasn't my problem. I didn't do anything wrong. You are calling God a liar. You're pointing your finger in the face of the creator of the universe and saying, no, sir, you're the sinner. And when you do that, good luck. <laughs> good luck with that. I'm not going to get I, I needed to go to the next part, too, about Jesus being an advocate. I'll do that next week. But it says three things. We saw that. Being a believer is having fellowship with God, fellowship with his Christ. It's knowing a person. And he gives us three things. If you say that you have fellowship and your life is walking in darkness, you're lying. It cannot be. If you say that you have fellowship with him. If you say that you have no sin, if you are not a sinner by nature. You're just deceiving yourself. If you say that you have not sinned, if you say that you have not sinned, if you justify your actions by whatever means necessary, then you're just pointing your finger in God's face and calling him a liar. So he gives us three things and he tells us the opposite. You know, we say we have fellowship, but if we do have fellowship, if we do walk in the light as he's in the light, then we're going to have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus is going to cleanse us from all sin. It says, if, you, if we confess our sins, then he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So he's telling us here, look, examine your heart. And we're going to see this over and over again in John. These tests are not to say, hey, you need to examine yourself and you need to do better. You need to do better in order to be a Christian. That's not what John's purpose is. And we're going to see it over and over again. I, didn't have time, I don't have time to get into it right now, but I'll do it next week for sure. Unless the Lord has otherwise, but these tests are not examining how good you're doing. They're examining God's work inside of you. God said that he would change your heart, that he would make you a born again believer, that he would put the desire to love him, to follow him, to seek him in your heart. And that's what we're doing. We're examining God's work in you, not saying you're perfect. You know, if if we pointed it all out and we, we line y'all all up and we say, you know, okay, who needs to do better? Every one of us probably would raise our hand. We all need to do better. We're all always going to need to do better as we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ until we meet him one day. We're all going to need to do better. That's not the test. Do you need to do better is not the question you should be asking yourself. The answer to that question is yes, you do need to do better. The question you need to ask yourself is... Do I see God's work in my life today? You might have saw it eight years ago. You might have saw it 10 years ago when people were on fire. We're going to see that in John chapter 2. They were on fire, boy, and you would have never thought anything, but they went out from among us because they were not of us. Do you see God keeping his promises in your life today? Do you see him molding your heart to love him more today, to chase after him? Wednesday night I did the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Blessed are they who, blessed are they who. The two that I keyed on were, blessed are they who mourn. And it's talking about mourning over your sin, because they're going to be comforted. And blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Last night on the way home, I got a monster burger from Hardee's. That's the first time I ate a fast food burger in months. It was so good. I was like, I was driving down the interstate at like 55 miles an hour just because it was so good. But you know what? I felt like a rock hit me. I was so full. I hadn't ate that in a long time. But this morning I woke up and guess what? I was hungry again. I was hungry again. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Is God doing what he said he would do? In all of his children's lives, he's doing. He's growing you closer to Christ, giving you a hunger for righteousness, desire to serve him, fellowship with him. Those things not present in your life. You got two options. Either God's a liar. Or you're not one of his children. That's the question you have to ask yourself. It's not how good you're doing. It's is God doing what he said he would do in my life? And that's how you know whether you have eternal life. Father, we love you. We come before you today and thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the book of 1 John and the assurance that it gives us. Thank you for uh, the test that it gives us to, to examine ourselves. And Lord, I pray that if anyone here, God looks at themselves and knows, you know, I don't have any fellowship with the bride. I don't have any fellowship with your people. I don't have uh, any reason to think when I go out in my job or go out to school or go out wherever I go, that you are the king of kings in my life and Lord of lords in my life. Uh, Father, I pray that you would just open their heart to have them understand that you lost, that you, you believe the facts, but you haven't met this person. You haven't been changed. You haven't come into relationship with him. God, I pray that you would uh, that you would reach out to them and that you would talk to them, that you would convict them and that you would have them come to someone here. Brother Eddie's right outside the doors. I'll be here. Brother Johnny's here. We pray, God, that you would have them come to us.